The Three Great Virtues Three Essays by Emerson Section 4 Love Part 1 This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Love Part One. Quote, I was a gem concealed, me my burning ray revealed. End quote. The Koran. Love. Every promise of the soul has innumerable fulfillments. Each of its joys ripens into a new want. Nature uncontainable, flowing, forelooking in the first sentiment of kindness, anticipates already a benevolence which shall lose all particular regards in its general light. The introduction to this felicity is in a private and tender relation of one to one, which is the enchantment of human life which, like a certain divine rage and enthusiasm, seizes on man at one period and works a revolution in his mind and body, unites him to his race, pledges him to the domestic and civic relations, carries him with new sympathy into nature, enhances the power of the senses, opens the imagination, adds to his character heroic and sacred attributes, establishes marriage, and gives permanence to human society. The natural association of the sentiment of love with the heyday of the blood seems to require that in order to portray it in vivid tints, which every youth and maid should confess to be true to their throbbing experience, one must not be too old. The delicious fancies of youth reject the least savor of a mature philosophy, as chilling with age and pedantry their purple bloom. And therefore I know I incur the imputation of unnecessary hardness and stoicism from those who compose the court and parliament of love. But from these formidable censors I shall appeal to my seniors, for it is to be considered that the passion of which we speak, though it begin with the young, yet forsake not the old, or rather suffers no one who is truly its servant to grow old, but makes the aged participators of it no less than the tender maiden, though in a different and nobler sort. For it is a fire that kindling its first embers in the narrow nook of a private bosom caught from a wandering spark out of another private heart, glows and enlarges until it warms and beams upon multitudes of men and women, upon the universal heart of all. 
and so lights up the world and all nature with its generous flames. It matters not, therefore, whether we attempt to describe the passion at twenty, at thirty, or at eighty years. He who paints it at the first period will lose some of its latter, he who paints it at the last some of its earlier traits. Only it is to be hoped that by patience and the muse's aid we may attain to that inward view of the law which shall describe a truth ever young and beautiful, so central that it shall commend itself to the eye at whatever angle beholden. And the first condition is that we must leave a too close and lingering adherence to facts, and study the sentiment as it appeared in hope and not in history. For each man sees his own life defaced and disfigured as the life of man is not to his imagination. Each man sees over his own experience a certain stain of error, whilst that of other men looks fair and ideal. Let any man go back to those delicious relations which make the beauty of his life, which have given him sincerest instruction and nourishment. He will shrink and moan. Alas, I know not why, but infinite compunctions embitter a mature life the remembrances of budding joy and cover every beloved name. Everything is beautiful seen from the point of the intellect or as truth, but all is sour if seen as experience. Details are melancholy. The plan is seemly and noble. In the actual world, the painful kingdom of time and place, dwell care and canker and fear. With thought, with the ideal, is immortal hilarity, the rose of joy. Round it all the muses sing, but grief cleaves to names and persons, and the partial interests of to-day and yesterday. The strong bent of nature is seen in the proportion which this topic of personal relations usurps in the conversation of society. What do we wish to know of any worthy person so much as how he has sped in the history of this sentiment. What books in the circulating libraries circulate. How we glow over the novels of passion, when the story is told with any spark of truth and nature. And what fastens attention in the intercourse of life like any passage betraying affection between two parties. Perhaps we never saw them before and never shall meet them again, but we see them exchange a glance or betray a deep emotion, and we are no longer strangers. 
we understand them and take the warmest interest in the development of the romance all mankind love a lover the earliest demonstrations of complacency and kindness are nature's most winning pictures it is the dawn of civility and grace in the coarse and rustic the rude village boy teases the girls about the schoolhouse door but to-day he comes running into the entry and meets one fair child disposing her satchel he holds her books to help her and instantly it seems to him as if she removed herself from him infinitely and was a sacred precinct among the throng of girls he runs rudely enough but one alone distances him and these two little neighbors that were so close just now have learned to respect each other's personality or who can avert his eyes from the engaging half artful half artless ways of schoolgirls who go into the country shops to buy a skein of silk or a sheet of paper and talk half an hour about nothing with the broad-faced good-natured shop-boy in the village they are on perfect equality which love delights in and without any coquetry the happy affectionate nature of woman flows out in this pretty gossip the girls may have little beauty, yet plainly do they establish between them and the good boy the most agreeable, confiding relations with what their fun and their earnest about Edgar and Jonas and Elmira, and who was invited to the party, and who danced at the dancing school and when the singing-school would begin, and other nothings concerning which the parties cooed. By and by that boy wants a wife, and very truly and heartily will he know where to find a sincere and sweet mate, without any risk such as Milton deplores as incident to scholars and great men. I have been told that in some public discourses of mine my reverence for the intellect has made me unjustly cold to the personal relations. But now I almost shrink at the remembrance of such disparaging words, for persons are love's world and the coldest philosopher cannot recount the debt of the young soul wandering here in nature to the power of love, without being tempted to unsay as treasonable to nature aught derogatory to the social instincts. For though the celestial rapture falling out of heaven seizes only upon those of tender age, and although a beauty overpowering all analysis or comparison and putting us quite beside ourselves, we can seldom see after thirty years.
yet the remembrance of these visions outlasts all other remembrances and is wreath of flowers to the oldest brows but here in a strange fact it may seem to many men in revising their experience that they have no fairer page in their life's book than the delicious memory of some passages wherein affection contrived to give a witchcraft surpassing the deep attraction of its own truth to a parcel of accidental and trivial circumstances in looking backward they may find that several things which were not the charm have more reality to this grouping memory than the charm itself which embalmed them but be our experience in particulars what it may no man ever forgot the visitations of that power to his heart and brain which created all things anew which was the dawn in him of music poetry and art which made the face of nature radiant with purple light the morning and the night varied enchantments when a single tone of one voice could make the heart bound with the most trivial circumstance associated with one form is put in the amber of memory when he became all eye when one was present and all memory when one was gone when the youth becomes a watcher of windows and studious of a glove a veil a ribbon or the wheels of a carriage when no place is too solitary and none too silent for him who has richer company and sweeter conversation in his new thoughts than any old friends though best and purest can give him for the figures the motions the words of the beloved object are not like other images written in water but as plutarch said quote, enameled in fire end quote, and make the study of midnight quote, thou art not gone being gone where'er thou art thou leavest in him thy watchful eyes in him thy loving heart in the noon and the afternoon of life we still throb at the recollection of days when happiness was not happy enough but must be drugged with the relish of pain and fear for he touched the secret of the matter who said of love quote, all other pleasures are not worth its pains end quote. and when the day was not long enough but the night too must be consumed in keen recollections when the head boiled all night on the pillow with the generous deed it resolved on when the moonlight was a pleasing fever and the stars were letters and the flowers ciphers 
and the air was coined into song when all business seemed an impertinence and all the men and women running to and fro in the streets mere pictures the passion rebuilds the world for the youth it makes all things alive and significant nature grows conscious every bird on the boughs of the tree sings now to his heart and soul the notes are almost articulate the clouds have faces as he looks on them the trees of the forest the waving grass and the peeping flowers have grown intelligent and he almost fears to trust them with the secret which they seem to invite yet nature soothes and sympathizes in the green solitude he finds a dearer home than with men fountain-heads and pathless groves places which pale passion loves moonlight walks when all the fowls are safely housed save bats and owls a midnight bell a passing groan these are the sounds we feed upon behold there in the wood the fine madman he is a palace of sweet sounds and sights he dilates he is twice a man he walks with arms akimbo he soliloquizes he accosts the grass and the trees he feels the blood of the violet the clover and the lily in his veins and he talks with the brook that wets his foot the heats that have opened his perceptions of natural beauty have made him love music and verse it is a fact often observed that men have written good verses under the inspiration of passion who cannot write well under any other circumstances the like force has the passion over all his nature it expands the sentiment it makes the clown gentle and gives the coward heart into the most pitiful and abject it will infuse a heart and courage to defy the world so only it have the countenance of the beloved object in giving him to another it still more gives him to himself he is a new man with new perceptions new and keener purposes and a religious solemnity of character and aims he does not longer appertain to his family and society he is somewhat he is a person he is a soul and here let us examine a little nearer the nature of that influence which is thus potent over the human youth beauty whose revelation to man we now celebrate welcome as the sun wherever it pleases to shine 
which pleases everybody with it and with themselves, seems sufficient to itself. The lover cannot paint his maiden to his fancy poor and solitary. Like a tree in flower, so much soft, budding, informing loveliness is society for itself. And she teaches his eye why beauty was pictured with lovers and grace attending her steps. Her existence makes the world rich, though she extrudes all other persons from his attention as cheap and unworthy. She indemnifies him by carrying out her own being into somewhat impersonal, large, mundane, so that the maiden stands to him for a representative of all select things and virtues. For that reason the lover never sees personal resemblances in his mistress to her kindred or to others. His friends find in her a likeness to her mother or her sisters or to persons not of her blood. The lover sees no resemblance except to summer evenings and diamond mornings, to rainbows and the song of birds. End of Love Part 1 Recording by Robert Scott July the 6th 2007.